Hey, what's going on, everybody? Happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving, and thank you so much for spending your holiday weekend with me on the Quarterly Report. We got another great show for you this week. Enterprise reporter for the Indy Star, super good guy, Clifton Brown stops by. He covers the Pacers. He's going to break down their impressive start of the season and what to expect when Paul George returns back to Indianapolis in a few weeks. Also, y'all know I love my family and I love the NBA, but my third love... Man, it just happens to be the best television show of all time. It's been in the news recently, and now it's kind of sparked an inspiration for me. I'm going to discuss it and tell you guys about our super cool, super dope project that I'm trying to do myself. Hopefully, hopefully you all enjoy it, and we'll check it out. But we'll get to all those things and so much more a little bit later on in the show. But first, the number one topic this week. First quarter. I've tried, y'all. I promise you I have. You know, over the month. I've tried to come to grips with Kevin Durant, man, in the in the not the player, but the person he is. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you listen to the show, you know I've struggled with you know his choice to to link up with Golden State two years ago, and then of course this this off season he had the whole burner Twitter account. And we'll we'll touch on that in a second, but you know he I'm trying to you know it's Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? It's the holiday spirit. You turn on the radio, people already got the Christmas songs playing. You know, the lights are up. It's, it's, it's a festive time of the year, man. I'm, I'm trying to better myself. You know what I'm talking about? I'm trying. So part of this, you know, maturation process that I'm going through, and I'm like, you know what? KD may not be the typical star that I'm used to, but it's cool. You know, everybody's not going to be, you know, is not going to share the same sensibilities that I think a superstar athlete would be, right? No disrespect. Like, no matter how you personally feel about Kevin Durant, the boy is a monster, man. He is a monster on the floor. There aren't players like him. You know what I mean? He he has broken the mold. You see all the – nowadays you see the 6'10", 6'11 guys who can shoot and bring the ball up the floor and do all these different things. I mean, she – dirt. And Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's kind of like he took the ball from Dirk and Sheed and kind of, you know, turned into this new style of play. So I want to make sure that I'm not discrediting him as a player because he is a monster. And part of the reason why I struggle with how he is is because he's so great. Like we don't see great players outwardly do this. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, or why Kevin Durant is on my mind now. Last week, I don't know if you guys saw this, he had an article with Bleacher Report, and there were a lot of things he said in this particular article, Um, some of which he was talking about, you know, he says, quote, I'm a person, I've got real feelings, and I'm not afraid to be vulnerable in front of people who watch us play or follow the league. It's effed up that you're saying all this stuff about me. That was people, you know, he's he's referring to the fans who got mad because, you know, he left Oklahoma City. I'm like, Slim, bro, this, you you knew? Right? How how are you, how is this, how is this affecting you, man? Like, one of the reasons why it's hard for me to kind of wrap my arms around KD is because, man, like, I don't know about y'all. Everybody has it hard. I'm not going, you know, people have it hard. No one knows what the next person is dealing with or what they had to overcome to get to that place. But Kevin Durant seems like to always want to be the victim, man. And I hate that. Again, I don't know what he's going through. You understand? I never walked a second in his shoes. And I'm not pretending to know or that I would be able to. But come on, bro. When you're in Oklahoma City, they have one front page story about you saying you're Mr. Unreliable. And you throw a fit. You know what I mean? All the while, people forget. Remember in Oklahoma City before he left, anytime that team struggled, anytime that team didn't win, who did they blame? It was never Kevin Durant's fault. It was always Russell Westbrook's fault. Remember? Kevin Durant had this shield. Like, he never received criticism. And on top of that, Kevin Durant was coming off the heels of LeBron. Right. So LeBron was the first guy through the bricks 
and he took everybody's shot. So Durant follows LeBron's footsteps, and like everybody was throwing little Nerf pebbles at Kevin Durant, and he was still overreacting. I'm like, come on, bro. Like, you've had it light. Look at all the great, all the, like, genuinely great players. You go from LeBron, Shaq, Kobe, Duncan. Maybe Duncan, maybe not so much Duncan. Because, I don't know, people people never really paid much attention to Tim Duncan. You know what I mean? But everybody else, through this new general, like, Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady, everybody, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Chris Paul, Everybody has gotten heat. Kevin Durant never did until he left. And he left the team who beat him. And the reason they beat him is because he played poorly. But you know what? I'm not going to rehash, relitigate this whole thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But in this Bleacher Report article, man, this is this is what threw me off the roof. He comes out his mouth and says, Michael Jordan, and I'm paraphrasing now, Michael Jordan never had to go go through what I went through. Slim. You know, for real, I'm not going to bring Angry Man out this week because I, I had him a few weeks ago. And I feel like I've had Kevin Durant on Angry Man a few times. This, but, you know, what? I'm going to give him my own. Kevin Durant, for real, bro. Sit your ass down. We gonna, From now on, I, I won't use Angry Man for Kevin Durant anymore. Because, honestly, Kevin Durant, you need to stay your ass seated. You understand? Don't stand up until, like, Spring break, bro. Because every time you jump up out there, man, you say something stupid, man. And I promise you, I'm trying, Joe. It's Thanksgiving. I told y'all, man, I'm in a holiday spirit. I am trying. I am trying to just like, you know what? KD's a new guy. You know, KD, he's, a, he's in touch with himself, man. And I'm not even trying to be funny when I say that. You know what I mean? I know some people probably chuckling, but I'm being real. He, he, he's very self-aware. In the article, he's talking about he doesn't want to be a leader. And I'm like, bro, we knew you weren't a leader. <laughs> we saw that back in Oklahoma City. And that's fine. That's fine. But don't be the guy be like, man, I'm, I'm sick of being number two. I want to be number one. I want to be, be number one. And then say, I don't want to be a leader. Slim, that makes no sense. But again, all that other stuff. Right? Throw that out the window. He's out here talking about, man, you know, Michael Jordan. Didn't have to go with what I went through. And y'all know. Now understand this. Y'all know. If you listen to this show enough, if you know me personally, I do not worship at the altar of Michael Jordan. I do not. But my goodness, bro, what are you talking about, man? Even I wouldn't say nothing stupid like that. Bro, you didn't have a Michael Jordan hadn't gone through what you wanted. Again, let's 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 leave like actual tragic things to the side, right? Because None of us know what Kevin Durant has been through. Obviously, Michael Jordan has gone through, you know, uh, tragedy on the highest level. We've we've seen it, okay? So we're not going to talk about that. But let's just stick to the thing on the floor, on the basketball court. Kevin Durant, man, you played with a MVP and then a two-time first runner-up for MVP. You played with both of them. Michael Jordan never did that. And not only that, you played with an MVP and a two-time runner-up MVP and then left and then played for a two-time MVP and a team that won 73 wins and it was already a champion. <laughs> Yo, you, what are you talking about? Has it gone through what you've gone through? Bro, you played in Oklahoma City. Have you ever been to Chicago? Do you know what those sports fans are like? See, this is the thing, these new guys, man, these new dudes, man. Like, I don't know what's up with these young cats, bro. Basketball did not begin in 1991. Michael Jordan got killed, bro, when he was losing to the Pistons. People were literally questioning how good Michael Jordan was. Kevin Durant didn't get any of that. Like, what are you, ta like, what are you talking about, KD? That's what I'm saying, bro. This stuff right here, I like, I love his game. He's an amazing basketball player. I love all the things he does in the community. He's from Seat Pleasant, man. That's like, man, five miles down the street from me. He gives back to the community, man. The people in the area love him. All those things, I have no problem with KD. But, bro, like, what's going on with you, man? Michael Jordan never been. Like, how could you say that? And then I hear people say, oh, man, you know, it's refreshing. He's honest. 
he's up front, he's he's secure with himself and all these other things. And I'm like, okay, it's different from what I'm used to, but let me try to get down with that, right? I'll, I'll, I'll see you that. Like, that's different. Let me be better, right? And try to understand what Kevin Durant is coming from because he's the atypical superstar. But then I start thinking, nah, that motherfucker ain't honest because he had the fake Twitter accounts this summer. Don't talk to me about how how it was refreshing to hear Kevin Durant be honest. He been lying to everybody. God knows how long, how many years. If he was dishonest, he would have been tweeting all those thoughts he had from his own personal Twitter account. But nah, he wanted to hide his hands. Slim. Some people, you know, some people will never forgive Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa for the steroids, right? Some people will never forgive um, Tiger Woods for cheating on his wife. Some people may never forgive Pete Carroll and the Seahawks for not giving Marshawn Lynch the football on the one-yard line in the Super Bowl. There are all these different scenarios, all these different events that have happened in the sports world where people will just never, they can't get over it, right? To me, I cannot get over Kevin Durant having fake Twitter accounts. And I'm not naive. I'm sure so many other athletes and celebrities have this. But damn it, KD is the only one who got caught. And Skip Bayless. But I don't really care about Skip Bayless. Okay? Kevin Durant, you a finals MVP, and you still feel the need to tweet from an anonymous fake Twitter account? Nah, bro. And I don't want to hear it. So with that as context, right? With that being said, I don't want to hear people talk about how refreshing it is to hear someone that honest. Because we know KD's a liar. We know it. That's not an attack on his character or his personality. We know it. You feel me? So I don't I don't want to hear that. And I definitely don't want to hear how Michael Jordan never had to go through what you went through. Slim, what have you gone through? Bro, you joined a champion. <laughs> you joined a champion. Man, you better sit your ass down. Again, no more. <laughs> no more. I will not. He's retired. You know how I tell y'all Freddie Adu is in the Sports Wings, the Hall of Fame? Like, he's got the... The golden jersey hanging from the Raptors. Well, that's what we're doing with KD. From now on, because it's, it's getting old, man. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what's going on with KD because he's so good. He's such an amazing basketball player. He's such a, by all accounts, good dude off the floor. But, man, he's just on some other stuff, bro. Like, Slim, Michael Jordan. Stay seated, Kevin. Stay seated. All right, y'all, man, that was the first quarter. We're going to keep things moving. We're going to stay on the hardwood as I welcome my next guest. He's an enterprise reporter for the Indianapolis Star. Good dude, man. He's covered the NBA, NFL, and all other sports for decades now. My guy, the Reverend Clifton Brown. Second quarter. You can follow my next guest on Twitter at Clifton G. Brown. That's Clifton, C-L-I-F-T-O-N, G. Brown. Cliff, man, what's going on? Thanks for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. I'm doing fine, man. Good to talk to you. How you been doing? I'm well, man. I'm well. Trying to get like you, man. All right, so like I said earlier, you cover the Pacers uh, for the Indy Star, and that's kind of where I want to focus the conversation on. Um, now, we're still early. It's like a little over a month into the season. But uh, once the Paul George trade went down, everyone, and I mean everyone in NBA circles in the – culture that is the NBA. They were killing Kevin Pritchard because the consensus was that the Pacers didn't get nearly enough for a um, for a player the caliber of Paul George. Now, here we are again early in the season. However, the Pacers, they've, they've impressed. They've played much better than, I guess, the expectations were. And one of the huge reasons why is because of the play of Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. Uh, Oladipo is looking like an all-star this year. From what you've gathered from Kevin Pritchard, does he feel vindicated? Is he walking around with his chest puffed out? And is he kind of rubbing people's nose, kind of like, see, I told you I knew what I was doing? Well, I think inside he feels really good. Um, I don't think he's uh, he's being smart in that he's not saying anything really about it. Like I told you so, uh, he knows it's early in the season, and he knows that Oladipo – and Sabonis are, you know, relatively young in their career. But he thought that Oladipo had a chance 
had all the tools to be an all-star one day, and it's a bonus, but not only underrated, but wasn't used the way in Oklahoma City, the way he would be used in Indiana, who would really bring out his skill set. Sabonis is a really good post player, um, very physical, very good rebounder, and very smart, a clever guy, knows how to set picks, is really good in the, in the pick and roll. And he really didn't get a chance to do all those things in Oklahoma City because of Russell Westbrook and the way that team was formulated. So, yeah, I think that anyone would say, even the hardest critics of Kevin Prince, that this deal looks a lot better now for the Pacers than when it was made. Once again, I'm joined by Enterprise reporter for the Indy Star, my guy Clifton Brown. Um, and you talked about the Pacers and, the, and their youth movement. And it's funny when you look at the Eastern Conference, with the exception of Cleveland, it's almost as if the entire conference has undergone something of a youth movement. Uh, we talked about Sabonis and Oladipo. And when you add those two players with Miles Turner, you have a really exciting and promising young nucleus. How excited are the fans and the, the organization about the potential of what they're building as far as a, a, another contender for the future? Well, there's no question. It looks like they might have three pieces, as you mentioned, three young pieces to build around. Miles Turner's only 21. So, yes, that, that is true, and it is causing some excitement in the area. I think Indianapolis still has a complex, as in they're not going to be able to attract the big-time free agents. That this is a tougher place to do that than other places. So that if they – build a team that's pretty good and they need a piece or two to get over the top, would they be able to bring a big name here? Um, I think most people think that that they would not be able to, but I really don't agree with that completely. Um, you know, Oklahoma City's not a big market, but we've seen them be able to attract stars. Um, you know, Houston isn't the biggest market. I think that once you get good, and as much as players are moving around today, if you get to the point where you where you can convince a superstar that he's the missing link to a championship, I do think a, a big-time free agent could come here. But I think the Pacers aren't at that X spot yet. I think they have to continue to build through the draft, continue to make smart deals, and then, yeah, if they get to be one of the top you know, three or four teams in the Eastern Conference, they have, to have, a, they have a brand-new um, practice facility here that is unbelievable. I haven't seen one that's, that's nice in the NBA. I think, if, and, you know, obviously people in Indiana love basketball. It's a great place to play as far as, you know, fan support. So, yeah, I think the Pacers feel better about the future than they did when they traded Paul George. I think people are thinking, well, it's going to be at least four or five years to hear from the Pacers again if things go well. Now I think maybe there's a chance, or not maybe, there is a chance that they can speed up that process if they continue to make the right moves. Once again, I'm joined by Clifton Brown. He's the enterprise reporter for the Indy Star. Covers the Pacers. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Clifton G. Brown. And you mentioned, you know, Indy getting a star, um, or at least trying to get a star um, in the future. Obviously, they just let go of one, that star being Paul George. And in a few weeks, he's going to be returning to Indianapolis now. The Pacers and the Thunder have already played each other, but that game was in Oklahoma City. They're only going to play one time this year, obviously, and that's coming up uh, about the middle of December. Um, now, for me personally, I know that there may be some ill feelings in, in, in Indianapolis, but all things considered, you know, Paul George, at least publicly, you know, maybe his people did, but publicly, you know, he didn't bash the franchise. Uh, he just told them privately that he didn't want to resign. And Indianapolis was able to get a good deal, as we talked about earlier, for him. So do you think that the fans, the Pacers fans, will look at it that way and, you know, just appreciate Paul George for the years that he played in Indy? Or do you think that return is going to be just full of venom and just booze and nasty emotions? Because that game is going to be circled on everyone's calendar and it's going to be nationally televised. You know, it's going to be must-see TV. How do you think the fans will react to Paul George's return? You're looking at things logically. <laughs> the fans are going to look at it emotionally. And right. there's no way he's not going to be poorly received when he returns 
uh, to Indiana. Part of it uh, was the timing of when it all became public that he wanted out. Um, I, I was in Oklahoma City when the Patriots were there a few weeks ago. I talked to Paul George. He was, he was candid, and he admitted that he could have handled things better. It wasn't, again, I think all the things you said were true, but by the time uh, the Patriots knew for sure that Paul George uh, wanted out, it was very close to the draft. They had no leverage. Uh, and a lot of it was the Patriots' fault, in my opinion, for not getting an answer from Paul George sooner. To me, at some point, maybe I want to say or maybe I don't is no. And I thought the All-Star break last year, if Paul George couldn't give them a de- de- definite answer that he was going to sign a long-term contract, at that point, as hard as it might have been for the Patriots to accept it, they should have put him on the market and they would have had more leverage than when it finally happened. But the fans, as good as Paul George was when he played here, uh, coming back from that horrific leg injury, a guy who plays hard every night, a two-way player, he right now is not looked upon that way here in Indiana. I mean, they are just mad that, you know, he wanted out. They take it as a slap in the face. Even though the trade has worked out better than a lot of people thought, this is their opportunity when he comes back to take out that venom on Paul George, and it's going to happen. He's just going to have to deal with it, and um, I think it's going to take years for him to finally get the kind of uh, respect in Indiana that he probably that he does deserve as a great player for that franchise. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week, Clifton Brown. He's the enterprise reporter for the Indy Star. If you're in that area, make sure you check out his work or – Follow him on Twitter. He's at Clifton G. Brown. That's C-L-I-F-T-O-N G. Brown. Cliff, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. And uh, hear from you soon, buddy. Anytime, man. Take care. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. You heard the horn. You know what that means. It means that the first half is in the books, and we're almost set for halftime. But before we do, just got a few little items, some house cleaning items to let you guys know about. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. We're also on iTunes. All you have to do is go to iTunes, look through the podcast directory, search the Quarterly Report. Again, that's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. You'll see my face on a coin. Click on that. Subscribe and rate and review the show. Let me, let the world, let your friends, let everybody know what you like, maybe what you don't even like about the show. It's an opportunity for me and you to get in contact, for you to let me know, get interactive with the show. Also, you can email me. We're now at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, quarterlyreport at gmail.com. And finally, last but not least, we're on Instagram, okay? Doing some fun things out there. I'll talk to you a little bit about that later in the show. But if you want to get a little more of a fix from the Quarterly Report and myself, all you have to do is... Let's go on Instagram. We're on the gram and just search quarterly report. Okay. So many different ways you can get in contact, stay in touch with me and what I'm thinking, whether it's sports, music, entertainment, the whole nine, trying to, trying to, trying to flood the market, baby, trying to make sure you guys are satisfied. Hopefully you enjoy it. All right, man. So it's halftime now. And 2017 has been the year of the super fight, man. If you're a fight fan like myself, y'all know, I love, the sweet science, man, it's been a huge year for mega fights, right? We had Canelo, Triple G, we had Andre Ward, uh, Kovalev, two. We had Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko. I mean, the list goes on and on. But 2017 is going to end with an even bigger fight, maybe the best fight, not just of the year, but in recent history. And to pump it up, yours truly no decided to put a little seasoning on it. Take a listen. On the next 24-7, two mega powers collide as the newcomer sets his sights on the most powerful man in the world. You can open your eyes and see what's going on. I'm not saying nothing to the president. I'm just saying, I'm not just saying thank you to anybody for nothing. I will be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. I tell you that. No walls can hold these two men apart as the biggest stars of 2017 go toe-to-toe trying to settle the score. 
you you heard what he tweeted. You t- he tweeted because he's mad at me. I should have left the in jail. I'm really rich. I'll show you that in a second. What side will you be on as the immovable object goes up against the unstoppable force? We have people that are stupid. United you know States. what? You 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 making this more difficult. You know, Lavar didn't say thank you to the president. You didn't. The 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. The big baller himself, LeVar Ball, face-to-face, toe-to-toe, looking to finally settle the score. I'm going to say thank thank you you at the end of this interview. I will thank you. I guarantee it. No, are you going to say thank you now? I guarantee it. You know why? Are you going to thank me now? You know why? Are you going to thank me now? Not yet. You haven't earned it yet. Why are you going to thank me? Haven't earned it yet. Part of the beauty of me is that I'm very ready. And if that wasn't enough, a special appearance by the number one contender, Marshawn Lynch. If you just run through somebody's face, a lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. They're just not going to want that. Think there's a deeper metaphor there? Run through a motherfucker face. Yeah. Is there anything more 2017? than our president having a war of words with LeVar Ball. And then, to cap it all up, take a shot at Marshawn Lynch on Twitter, and then Marshawn's mama getting involved. It's like, you know, you you play those games um, where, you know, you kind of, like, there's sentences, but, like, nouns and pronouns are left, left blank, and you get to kind of just randomly pick whichever you know, person or name or whatever, maybe even adjective sometimes to, to fill out the story. Like, if it's hard to do this, you know, because LeVar Ball kind of just jumped out into the scene. But imagine, if you will, like, you know, 2013 or something, you know, and it's president fill in the blank, and you just pull out Donald Trump, right? Has a war of words with LeVar Ball and then takes a shot at Marshawn Lynch, even if it was last year. But I guess last year, I, and this is not to editorialize, I'm not going to talk about anybody's politics, but there were a lot of polls and quote-unquote experts who still thought it was a long shot for President Trump to uh, take office. But even if it was last year, knowing that you know he won you know a major party's nomination, so there was a realistic, there was... Whether you deemed it outside or not, he had a shot to win. But even last year, if you were like, President Donald Trump has war words with LeVar Ball, then takes shot at Marshawn Lynch. Like, you couldn't come up with that. You couldn't come up with that. And we are living it. And again, not to editorialize, but that joint would be, it's scary as hell, Right? But if you just could remove the fear from it, it's masterpiece theater. <laughs> like, what could you have? I mean, honestly, LeVar Ball and Donald Trump are really just, they're the same person. You know what I'm saying? They are the same person. So it's only right that they go head to head. Of course it happens in 2017. Of course it does. Oh, my God. Oh, sometimes certain things just write itself. All right, y'all, man, that was halftime. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Remember, get in contact with the show. You can email us. We're at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet us. We're at quarterly show. And we're now on Spotify. So all you Spotify listeners, listen, stream the show on Spotify. Again, it's the quarterly report, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. All right. Halftime is in the books. We got two quarters left, and we're going to get things started with college football and my new favorite player. Sign me up on the Baker Mayfield fan club. That is my guy. I'm serious, man. For those of you who don't know, Baker Mayfield, quarterback for Oklahoma, super brash, super confident, a little cocky, a little arrogant, but is a monster and is fun to watch. I love all that stuff, man. I love all of it. He did the little, you know, DX suck it thing to the fans of Kansas. You understand what I'm saying? 
He took shots at the fans in Kansas, talking about, man, stick to basketball. I mean, it's so funny. It's so ill. I love this guy. But because I love this guy so much, you know, I fear for him. And I, not only just do I fear for him, I fear for people like myself who enjoy watching Baker Mayfield play football. Because the funny thing about the NFL, man, they will suck the fun out of you in a heartbeat. They are going to beat the fun out of Baker Mayfield as soon as he plays football. I mean, on the NFL. As soon as Baker Mayfield starts playing on Sundays, preseason, they're going to beat that mess out of him. And we're all losers for it. Think about it. Besides wide receivers, tight ends, even though, think about it. Between Gronk and Travis Kelsey, they trying to beat it out of them too. I mean, Travis Kelsey, he can't he can't even do a first down sign without getting a flag and then getting a cheap shot the next time down the field. But with the exception of wide receivers, a few tight ends, and defensive backs, are there any brash players in the NFL? Any of them? I mean, honestly, the running back position has been basically neutered. You know what I mean? I guess you got Le'Veon Bell, but that's about it. And Zeke. But, you know, he got his own mess. But there, there aren't personalities in the NFL with, the, with a handful of certain positions. Especially, though, at quarterback. Look at how boring every single quarterback that you could think of. Think of how boring they are. You know, like, what does... Matt Ryan won MVP last year. Does anyone know a damn thing about Matt Ryan? Actually, you know what? Better question. Does anybody want to know a damn thing about Matt Ryan? Hell no. He is boring. Think about think about the quarterbacks. Andrew Luck. I did a whole quarter about him, and the best thing about it last week was talking about Jim Mercer's drug addiction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Russell Wilson. He is married, right, to an R&B singer who had a relationship with a drugged-out rapper. And he is somehow made that boring. Philip Rivers. Drew Brees. Think about it. All these guys, great in the community. You know, their philanthropic ways are something to be admired. I'm not talking about the, their character. I'm talking about interest, being interesting. Baker Mayfield has no chance. Who was the last quarterback that you were like, man, he is interesting. Think about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you guys have heard him or read articles about him. The guy clearly is an interesting guy. The guy clearly is fascinating on different levels. But Aaron Rodgers will go out of his way to be reserved and not show himself to the media. Think about that. He's a professional athlete who does not want to tell people. And, you know, maybe that's like he's an exception. You know, that's that's what Aaron Rodgers, that's just him, his unique situation. But no quarterback is like that anymore. Think about it like this. When it comes to professional football, could you be more successful than Tom Brady? I don't think so. Tom Brady has got the game figured out. He is, without question in my book, the greatest quarterback of all time on the short list of being the greatest football player of all time. He he plays in a major market. He's beloved by He's beloved by many, hated by almost as many, but respected by all. He's, and the woman he married is far more successful than him. He married a Brazilian model. So the money that Tom Brady makes, that's not even, that's not even their vacation money. That's like grocery monies for them. They don't even think about his check. You understand what I'm saying? All that, all that can factor into someone being so confident, right? And not just their job, but in just who they are. That they will let their hair down and show the world like, bro, this is who I am. I don't care. what You can't do any. Tom Brady is as bulletproof 
of any current athlete there are, that there is, that there could be, especially in American sports. Let's just keep it to American sports. Tom Brady clearly is a, a Donald Trump supporter to kind of play off halftime, right? Now, I'm not judging him. That's, that's who he, he went out of his way to show the world that, you know, he had a Donald Trump hat, right? I think it's fair to assume that he's a Trump supporter. So he's successful. He's wealthy. He is all American, good looks, married a Brazilian model, the whole nine. And he won't even go public. Once everybody called him out on and saw that, that the Make America Great Again hat, he, he, you know, covered up, went back in his shell, and didn't want to express that to the world. What is it about the NFL that makes people who should be the most confident, the most secure in themselves and in their profession, that they don't want to show anybody anything? There's no quarterback who has a lick of personality. Cam has some, but now, you, you know, he just, he's a dickhead, right? Who is it? Who's the quarterback? That Eli? Nothing. There's nobody. There's nobody who you, uh, as a quarterback, that you would sit down and watch, you know, like a long-form interview or documentary on. There's nobody. Baker Mayfield seems to be somebody who's interesting, who's fun, who enjoy. One of the reasons I think people love Brett Favre so much is because Brett Favre, when he was playing football, it seemed like he enjoyed himself. He had personality, and that type of stuff resonated through the screen. Like people, young and old, no matter the your ethnicity, your religion, people love Brett Favre. Who's that guy now? Huh? Is it Matthew Stafford? You know? Is it Tyrod Taylor? Carson Palmer? Andy Dalton? There's none of these. Kirk Cousins? They're all boring. That? None of them. Nobody has personality. But here comes Baker Mayfield, man. Man, and oh my goodness, I want him to get in the NFL and not change. And I know it can't happen. I know the NFL is going to get their tentacles on him and they're just going to ruin him. You know, he's going to ruin, they're going to ruin Baker Mayfield for all of us. So I'm trying to soak up as much Baker Mayfield this year because that boy, I don't know if he's going to be good on the next level. I have no idea, but I know he is fun as hell to watch. And I know that the time we have to enjoy a brash, a fun, and interesting quarterback, and it, we don't have we don't have much time. Man, I hope Baker may I hope Baker Mayfield stuns somebody next next time he's at the the fifty yard line. You know he was already planted the flag. He did the suck it sign. You know what I'm saying? I hope he stuns somebody, gives him a double finger, and you know does the stone cold shake his head while they knock down on the ground. Do some, I need more because we don't have much more time with Baker Mayfield, man. NFL gonna piss me off and ruin, ruin Baker Mayfield for the rest of us. Unbelievable, man. Shout out to Baker Mayfield, man. Boomer sooner, boomer sooner for real. All right, y'all, man. You know that's the third quarter. I had to get that off my chest. That wasn't a very long topic, but I don't know if you guys feel the same way as I do, man. I I just don't know why. That league, it's like we talked about it with baseball a few months ago. Baseball tries to at least cap, you know, certain players' individuality, right? Football tries to beat it out of you. <laughs> and I don't know why. Everybody's talking about football's declining ratings and football's, you know, the, the future of football and all this other stuff. You know what would be good for the future of football? Showing people that it's fun. You know what I mean? Like, why does that hurt? <sighs> All right, guys. That's three quarters down. Remember, we're on Spotify now. So we got a whole bunch of ways for you to listen to the show and engage the show. You go to Spotify, search the quarterly report. You'll be able to find the show there. Stream, download, do whatever you got to do. If that's not where you like to listen to your podcast, don't worry. Don't fret. Head on over to iTunes. Go to iTunes. Search in the podcast directory. Search the quarterly report. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. -E -E. You'll see my face on the icon. Click on that. Subscribe to the show. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. -E. 
All right, guys, so we're done with sports, but we got one quarter left, and this is something that I've been waiting to do for a while. I was trying to find the right time, but it's kind of popped up recently. Uh, a few other podcasts have talked about it. It's been on the national consciousness for some reason recently. So I decided to talk about my favorite show, not just my favorite show. I'm going to go out there and say it. The greatest show of all time. It's our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. got to keep the devil down in the hole, baby. Anybody who knows me knew the moment I said my favorite show, the greatest show of all time. Y'all knew this topic was going to be about The Wire. I don't care. Breaking Bad, Sopranos, man, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, all y'all Bama, shut up. Seinfeld, Kirby, Enthusiasm, shut up. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. And I'm not knocking those shows. Some of those shows I'm a huge fan of. But The Wire to me, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Now, The Wire is kind of weird, man, because a lot of people, they got on to The Wire after the show had ended. You know what I mean? And I don't know, as someone who watched the show as it was airing live, I don't know what sparked this kind of interest in The Wire post-mortem. You know what I mean? In fact, it kind of at first it blew me because I was thinking, man, you know, had y'all Bama's been watching the show when it was actually on, we may have gotten more seasons or longer seasons. I don't know. But, you know, be that as it may. I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast. He had ta Coates on. And they were breaking down the wire. Uh, it was like last week. And it was so interesting. As y'all don't know, Coates, he's from Baltimore. And one of the things about the show, I mean, the writing is amazing. Um, the characters, there's so many characters. It's so layered, right? The characters may be the best part of the show. But the, the authenticity... You know what I mean? Like, especially as the show progressed, you could tell it was Baltimore was drenching it. That show reeked of Baltimore. You know what I mean? And as someone who, you know, lives not too far away from Baltimore, I appreciated that because that you, you listen to the show, the feel of it, everything about that show, it feels real. And that type of stuff, man, it's hard to quantify. You know, it's hard to put your finger on. But the moment you start watching The Wire, you you know it's real. And that just adds to everything. It's one of the reasons why the characters, somebody like Snoop, there's no doubt in your mind she's straight Baltimore with it. I mean, she had to, all that stuff. And, you know, an actor wouldn't be able to do it. Shout out to Omar. Omar tried to do it, right? He did it on several seasons. He tried it. Tried his best. God bless that man. Snoop did that joint on the first time you see it. That joint was perfect. <laughs> I mean, little things like that. I don't even know if everybody gets a kick out of that. But I love it. I love that show so much, man. I don't even know how many times I have run it back that entire season. All of the seasons. But that gets me to my next point. And if those of you who have not heard The Wire or have not watched The Wire, you're listening to me now, you're like, man, you know I don't know, man. I don't know what Armand's talking about. Uh, do yourself a favor, bro. Watch it. I'm going I'm to give you a heads up. First two episodes of the first season, you're going to have to just, you know, because it's a lot. Get through it, man. Get through it. Because once, once you in it, it's over. And then I want to, that leads me to my next point, season number two. Because season number two is kind of funny. It's like, I feel like it's, on one hand, one of the most beloved seasons. And on the other hand, it's one of the most hated seasons. I don't understand. Actually, I, I, I take that back. The people who hate season two, I think y'all just got to kind of, you got to look at it again, man. You got to run it back because that season is so amazing. So amazing. Things that happen in season two, you look back at it, on it, once you watch the whole series, you're like, yo, like this is so pivotal. This is so dope. And, just kind of how they, they, the show didn't really flip it. It just gave you a different perspective of the same game, but it's something that you're just not accustomed to seeing. Everything about season two is amazing. That being said, there's a, a cult of people who love season two. Like it's their favorite season. Y'all got to chill. Y'all got to chill. Okay. In my opinion, 
season two is the third best season of the show. And you may hear that and think that's a knock or a slight. It's not. It's only the third best season, in my opinion, because season four and season three aren't just great shows or great seasons for The Wire. Season four is like the greatest thing. Like, you know, if I was on a, a desert island, then I can only bring like one TV show or one piece of music or one movie. And I could bring like the entire season four. I do that. I love that season so much. And I think part of the reason I love that season so much is because I was watching it real time. You got to remember, if you caught on to the wire after the fact, you knew how many seasons there were. There was this back and forth thing when you were watching it in real time. Nobody knew if they were coming back. So after season three, Batman was like, yo, is the show over? <laughs> you know what I mean? And the ambition, they basically scrapped every single major character after season three and just started over. I mean, McNulty's not in it that much. String is dead. Spoiler alert. But you know what? If you watching The Wire now, you don't know. Man, that's on your head, Joe. Avon got locked up. I mean... Marlo, you, you saw a little bit of Marlo in season three, but it won't really like that. Marlo took over, but even he wasn't even the main focal point in season four. It was the kids. I mean, Slim, season four is amazing. But season three, to me, would be the greatest season of all time had it not been for season four. Think of all, and, and this, this is the thing that blows me, right? There are a lot of people who don't like season two, and I, 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 some of my homeboys, two of my homeboys, we talk about it regularly. Shout out to Ian and B. Jax. Ian more so than others, but and we talk about it. He's like, man, he just didn't like season two. And I'm just like, man, I don't I don't see it. I don't understand why. I watch it again. He's like, man, I, I've seen it a few times. But the people who don't like season two, that that annoys me a little bit. But the people who don't like season three, man, I'd be ready to scrap. Think of all the things that happened in season three. Obviously, String died. You understand? But you got Hamster down. Carcetti is, you know, introduced. Bunny is introduced. Carver starts making his, you know, transition into being like a decent, well, he's a decent cop in season three, but becoming a great cop. You know, Bodie's comeuppance. I mean, so many things. I mean, what happened with Avon, Cuddy. Cuddy's storyline in season three, season three is amazing. And again, if you were watching season three in real time, when you see String die, you like, yo, what? <laughs> like, what happened? The whole thing. So, you know, Bill Simmons and Tanahasi Coates were talking about, they were giving a rundown their favorite seasons in order. Both of them were wrong. You know, I, I let them, I let you all know that. It's okay because. As a fellow wirehead, I got love for anybody who wants to talk about that show. It's the greatest show of all time. Easily. But the correct order in ranking the best seasons of The Wire, from greatest to least, goes season four, the best. Season three, the second best. Season two, a strong bronze finish. But no, it's not better than season four or season three. It can't be. All right. It can't be better than the best. All right. Four, three, two. And this is where it gets tough because season five has grown on me. I remember when I first watched it, I wasn't a fan of season five. But season five, there are a lot of big moments of the show that happened in season five. A lot of big time moments. But season one is still. Despite the, the, the look. You know, you, you you look at season one and then you look at season five, you can tell that there's a, a, a significant upgrade in technology that happened through those first five seasons. But I'm going to have to go one over five because to me, I mean, you got some of the best characters in the show in season one that aren't in season five. Weebae being one of them. You know what I mean? So that... That on his own, I have to give the slight edge to season one. So the correct order in ranking the best wire seasons, four, three, two, one, five. But 
that leads me to my final point this week because, again, I love The Wire so much. I was inspired by the show, by Bill Simmons' podcast, and I decided to rank. Now, rank is probably the wrong term. I decided to break down which NBA players would be a character from The Wire, right? And the first one I did was LeBron. I think LeBron is pretty easy to guess. LeBron is Avon Barksdale, right? One's the king of Baltimore. The other guy is the king of the basketball. But there are other similarities between the two as well. But on this show's Instagram page, again, quarterly report on Instagram, I'm going to be breaking down some of the best NBA players and who best represents them from the greatest show of all time. This week, you'll be able to see who I thought who I thought best portrays Marlowe, uh, Lieutenant Cedric Daniels, Kima Greggs, and Jimmy McNulty. But depending on you guys' response, how you like it, and, you know, how jazzed up I am, I think I could probably get you 25, but I may do more. Again, let me know if you guys like it, how you're feeling it. You know, and, and even if you disagree with how I break it down, all that type of stuff, man, I really look forward to that. I like the engagement, you know. Again, if you're a fan of The Wire and you love the NBA, like myself, I think it's a pretty dope idea. I'm excited about it. Hopefully, you guys like it, too. Again, that's on the show's Instagram page. It's at The Quarterly Report on Instagram. Again, I'm going to be breaking that down. Hopefully, by the end of the weekend, we'll have the first five out. And again, each week. I'll try to break it down in increments of five. But check that out on Instagram. Again, the first one's already up. By the time some of you all listening to this, this weekend, I'll have a few more up there as well. And again, if you guys like it, if you guys uh, are checking it out, I'll definitely keep on pumping more and more on the Instagram page. All right, guys, that's my time. I'm cranking this one out wednesday night so just hours before thanksgiving i hope all of you all have a safe and happy holiday with your friends and family be safe out there don't do anything stupid i appreciate you all for rocking with me for this hour on the holiday weekend i know you can do a lot of different things there are a lot of different podcasts out to listen to but you chose to ride with me and i appreciate you so much for that until next week man y'all be easy keep your head up and i'll see you back right here on the quarterly report